Act Five of Orinoco by Thomas Southern. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Scene One. Enter Stanmore, Lucy, and Charlotte. Tis strange we cannot hear of him. Can nobody give an account of him? <laughs> Nay, I begin to despair. I give him for gone not so i hope there are so many disturbances in this devilish country would we had never seen it this is but a cold welcome for you madame after so troublesome a voyage a cold welcome indeed sir without my cousin weldon he was the best friend i had in the world he was a very good friend of yours indeed madame they have made him away murdered him for his money i believe he took a considerable sum out with him i know that has been his ruin <laughs> that has done him no injury to my knowledge for this morning he put into my custody what you speak of i suppose a thousand pounds for the use of this lady i was always obliged to him and he has shown his care of me in placing my little affairs in such honourable hands he gave me a particular charge of you madame very particular so particular that you will be surprised when i tell you what pray sir i am engaged to get you a husband i promised that before i saw you and now i have seen you you must give me leave to offer you myself nay cousin never be coy upon the matter to my knowledge my brother always designed you for this gentleman you hear madame he has given me his interest and tis the favour i would have begged of him lord you are so like him that you are obliged to say you like me for his sake i should be glad to love you for your own if i should consent to the fine things you can say to me how would you look at last to find him thrown away upon an old acquaintance an old acquaintance lord how easily are you meant to be imposed upon i am no cousin newly arrived from england not i but the very weldon you wot of weldon not murdered nor made away as my sister would have you believe but am in very good health your old friend in breeches that was and now your humble servant in petticoats i'm glad we have you again but what service can you do me in petticoats pray can't you tell what not i by my troth i have found my friend and lost my mistress it seems which i did not expect from your petticoats come come you have had a friend of your mistress long enough tis high time now to have a mistress of your friend what do you say i am a woman sir a woman as arrant a woman as you would have had me but now i assure you and at my service if you have any for me in petticoats yes yes i shall find you employment you wonder at my proceeding i believe tis a little extraordinary indeed i have taken some pains to come into your favour you might have had it cheaper a great deal i might have married you in the person of my english cousin but could not consent to cheat you even in the thing i had a mind to twas done as you do everything i need not tell you i made that little plot and carried it on only for this opportunity i was resolved to see whether you liked me as a woman or not if i had found you indifferent i would have endeavoured to have been so too 
But you say you like me, and therefore I have ventured to discover the truth. Like you? I like you so well that I'm afraid you won't think marriage a proof on it. Uh, shall I give you any other? No, no. I'm inclined to believe you, and that shall convince me. At more leisure, I'll satisfy you how I came to be in man's clothes, for no ill, I assure you, though I have happened to play the rogue in them. They have assisted me in marrying my sister, and have gone a great way in befriending your cousin Jack with the widow. Can you forgive me for pimping for your family? Enter Jack Stanmore. So, Jack, what news with you? I am the forepart of the widow, you know. She's coming after with the body of the family. The young squire in her hand, my son-in-law that is to be, with the help of Master Weldon. Charlotte, clapping Jack upon the back. Say you so, sir. Enter Widow Lackett with her son Daniel. So, Mistress Lucy, I have brought him about again. I have chastised him. I have made him as supple as a glove for your wearing, to pull on or throw off at your pleasure. Will you ever rebel again? Will you, sirrah? Hot come come, down on your marrow bones, and ask her forgiveness. Daniel kneels. Say after me, pray forsooth, wife. Pray forsooth, wife. Well, well, this is a day of good nature, and so I take you into favour. But first, take the oath of allegiance. He kisses her hand and rises. If ever you do so again. Nay, Mary, if I do, I shall have the worst aunt. Here's a stranger, forsooth, would be glad to be known to you. A sister of mine. Pray salute her. Widow Lackett starts at Charlotte. Your sister? Mistress Lucy, what do you mean? This is your brother, Master Weldon. Do you think I do not know Master Weldon? Have a care what you say. This gentleman's about marrying her. You may spoil all. Fiddle faddle, what? You would put a trick on me. No, Faith Widow, the trick is over. It has taken sufficiently, and now I will teach you the trick to prevent your being cheated another time. How? Cheated, Master Weldon? Why, I. You will always take things by the wrong handle. I see you will have me Master Weldon. I grant you, I was Master Weldon a little while to please you or so. But Master Stanmore here has persuaded me into a woman again. A woman? Pray let me speak with you. Drawing her aside. You are not in earnest, I hope. A woman? Really, a woman? Gad's my life! I could not be cheated in everything. I know a man from a woman at these years, or the devil's in it. Pray, did you not marry me? You would have it so. And did I not give you a thousand pounds this morning? Yes, indeed. T'was more than I deserved. But you had your pennyworth for your penny, I suppose. You seem to be pleased with your bargain. A rare bargain I've made on it, truly. I have laid out my money to find purpose upon a woman. You would have a husband, and I provided for you as well as I could. Yes, yes, you have provided for me. And you have paid me very well for it, I thank you. Tis very well. I may be with child too, for aught I know, and may go look for the father. Nay, if you think so, tis time to look about you indeed. Even make up the matter as well as you can, I advise you as a friend, and let us live neighbourly and lovingly together. I have nothing else for it that I know now. 
for my part mistress lackett your thousand pounds will engage me not to laugh at you then my sister is married to your son he is to have half your estate i know and indeed they may live upon it very comfortably to themselves and very creditably to you nay i can blame nobody but myself you have enough for a husband still and that you may bestow upon honest jack stanmore is he the man then he is the man you are obliged to yes faith widow i am the man i have done fairly by you you find you know what you have to trust to beforehand well well i see you will have me even marry me and make an end of the business why that's well said now we are all agreed and all provided for enter a servant to stanmore sir master blandford desires you to come to him and bring as many of your friends as you can with you i come to him you'll all go along with me come young gentlemen marriage is the fashion you see you must like it now if i don't how shall i help myself nay you may hang yourself in the noose if you please but you'll never get out on it with struggling come then let's even jog on in the old road cuckold or worse i must be now contented i'm not the first has married and repented exeunt scene two enter governor with blandford and planters have you no reverence of future fame no awe upon your actions from the tongues the censuring tongues of men that will be free if you confess humanity believe there is a god or devil to reward our doings here do not provoke your fate the hand of heaven is armed against these crimes with hotter thunderbolts prepared to shoot and nail you to the earth a sad example a monument of faithless infamy enter stanmore jack stanmore charlotte lucy widow and daniel so stanmore you i know the women too will join with me to the women tis arnocle's cause a lover's cause a wretched woman's cause that will become your intercession never mind em governor he ought to be made an example of for the good of the plantation ay ay twill frighten the negroes from attempting the like again what rise against their lords and masters at this rate no man is safe from his own slaves no no more he is therefore one and all governor we declare for hanging ay, ay. Ay. Hang him! Hang, hang him! What? Hang him? Oh, forbid it, Governor! We all petition for him. They are for a holiday. Guilty or not is not the business. Hanging is their sport. We are not sure so wretched to have these, the rabble judge for us, the changing crowd, the arbitrary guard of fortune's power, who wait to catch the sentence of her frowns, and hurry all to ruin she condemns. So far from farther wrong that tis a shame he should be where he is. Good governor, order his liberty. He yielded up himself, his all at your discretion. Discretion? No, he yielded on your word, and I am made the cautionary pledge 
the gauge, and hostage of your keeping it. Remember, sir, he yielded on your word, your word, which honest men will think should be the last resort of truth and trust on earth. There is no appeal beyond it, but to heaven. An oath is a recognizance to heaven, binding us over in the carts above to plead to the indictment of our crimes. That those who escape this world should suffer there, but in the common intercourse of men, where the dread majesty is not invoked, his honor not immediately concerned, not made a party in our interests. Our word is all to be relied upon. Come, come. You'll be as good as your word, we know. He's out of all power of doing any harm now, if he were disposed to it. But he is not disposed to it. To keep him where he is will make him soon find out some desperate way to liberty. He'll hang himself, or dash out his mad brains. Pray, try him by gentle means. We'll all be sureties for him. All, all. We will all answer for him now. Well, you shall have it so. Do what you please. Just what you will with him. I give you leave. Exit. We thank you, sir. This way, pray come with me. Exeunt. Scene three. Orinoco upon his back, his legs and arms stretched out and chained to the ground. Enter Blanford, Stanmore, etc. Oh, miserable sight. Help everyone, assist me all to free him from his chains. They help him up and bring him forward, looking down. Most injured prince, how shall we clear ourselves? We cannot hope you will vouchsafe to hear or credit what we see in the defence and cause of our suspected innocence. We are not guilty of your injuries, no way consenting to him, but abhor, abominate, and loathe this cruelty. It is our curse, but make it not our crime. A heavy curse upon us that we must share anything in common, even the light, the elements and seasons, with such men whose principles, like the famed dragon's teeth, scattered and sown would shoot a harvest up of fighting mischiefs to confound themselves and ruin all about him. Profligates, whose bold Titanian impiety would once again pollute their mother earth, force her to teem with her old monstrous brood of giants and forget the race of men we are not so believe us innocent we come prepared with all our services to offer our address of your base wrongs which way shall we employ him tell us sir if there is anything that can atone but nothing can that may be some amends if you would have me think you are not all confederates, all accessory to the base injustice of your governor, if you would have me live as you appear concerned for me, if you would have me live to thank and bless you, there is yet a way to tie me ever to your honest love. Bring my Imawinda to me. Give me her to charm my sorrows, and, if possible, I'll sit down with my wrongs, never to rise against my fate or think of vengeance more. Be satisfied. You may depend upon us. We'll bring her safe to you, and suddenly. We will not leave you in so good a work. No, no, we'll go with you. In the meantime, endeavour to forget, sir, 
and forgive, and hope a better fortune. Exeunt. Orinoco, alone. Forget, forgive. I must indeed forget when I forgive. But while I am a man in flesh that bears the living mark of shame, the print of his dishonorable chains, my memory still rousing up my wrongs, I can never forgive this governor, this villain, the disgrace of trust and place and just contempt of delegated power. What shall I do? If I declare myself, I know him. He will sneak behind his guard of followers and brave me in his fears. Else, lion-like, with my devouring rage, I would rush on him, fasten on his throat, tear wide a passage to his treacherous heart, and that way lay him open to the world. If I should turn his Christian arts on him, promise him, speak him fair, flatter, and creep with fawning steps, to get within his faith, I could betray him then as he has me. But am I sure by that to right myself? Lying's a certain mark of cowardice, and when the tongue forgets its honesty, the heart and hand may drop their functions too, and nothing worthy be resolved or done. The man must go together, bad or good. In one part frail, he soon grows weak in all. Honor should be concerned in honor's cause. That is not to be cured by contraries, as bodies are, whose health is often drawn from rankest poisons. Let me but find out an honest remedy. I have the hand, a ministering hand, and will apply it home. Exit. Scene four. The governor's house. Enter governor. I would not have her tell me. She consents. In favor of the sex's modesty, that still should be presumed, because there is a greater impudence in owning it, than in allowing all that we can do. This truth I know, and yet against myself, so unaccountable are lovers' ways, I talk, and lose the opportunities which love and she expects I should employ. Even she expects, for when a man has said all that is fit to save the decency, the women know the rest is to be done. I will not disappoint her. Going. Enter Blandford, the Stanmores, Daniel, Mistress Lackett, Charlotte, and Lucy. Oh, Governor, I'm glad we have looked upon you. Why, what's the matter? Nay, nothing extraordinary, but one good action draws on another. You have given the Prince his freedom. Now we come a-begging for his wife. You won't refuse us. Refuse you? No, no, what have I done to refuse you? You won't refuse to send her to him, she means. I send her to him. We have promised him to bring her. You do very well. Tis kindly done of you. Even carry her to him with all my heart. You must tell us where she is. I tell you. Why, don't you know? Your servants say she's in the house. No, no. I brought her home at first, indeed. But I thought it would not look well to keep her here. I removed her in a hurry, only to take care of her. What? She belongs to you. I have nothing to do with her. But where is she now, sir? Why, Faith, I can't say, certainly. You'll hear of her at Parham House, I suppose. There, or thereabouts. I think I sent her there. Oh, I'll have an eye on him. Exeunt all but the Governor. I have lied myself into a little time. 
and must employ it. They'll be here again, but I must be before em. Going out, he meets Imoinda and seizes her. Are you come? I hold court no longer for a happiness that is in mine own keeping. You may still refuse to grant, so I have power to take. The man that asks deserves to be denied. She disengages one hand and draws his sword from his side upon him. Governor starts and retires. Blandford enters behind him. He does indeed, that asks unworthily. You hear her, sir, that asks unworthily. You are no judge. I am of my own slave. Be gone, and leave us. When you let her go. To fasten upon you. I must defend myself. Help! Murder! Help! Imoenda retreats towards the door, favoured by Blandford. When they are closed, she throws down the sword and runs out. Governor takes up the sword. They fight, close and fall, Blandford upon him. Servants enter and part them. She shall not escape me so. I've gone too far not to go farther. Curse on my delay. But yet she is and shall be in my power. Nay, then, it is the war of honesty. I know you, and will save you from yourself. All come along with me. Exeunt. Scene the last. Enter Orinoco. To honour bound, and yet a slave to love. I am distracted by their rival powers, and both will be obeyed. O oh, great revenge, thou razor and restorer of fallen fame, let me not be unworthy of thy aid for stopping in thy course. I still am thine, but can't forget I am Imowinda's too. She calls me from my wrongs to rescue her. No man condemn me who has felt a woman's power or tried the force of love. All tempers yield and soften in those fires. Our honors, interests resolving down, run in the gentle current of our joys. But not to sink and drown our memory. We mount again to action like the sun that rises from the bosom of the sea, to run his glorious race of light anew and carry on the world. Love, love will be my first ambition, and my fame the next. Enter Aboan, bloody. My eyes are turned against me and combine with my sworn enemies to represent this spectacle of horror. Aboan, my ever-faithful friend. I have no name that can distinguish me from the vile earth to which I'm going a poor abject worm that crawled a while upon a bustling world and now i am trampled to my dust again i see thee gashed and mangled spare my shame to tell how they have used me but believe the hangman's hand would have been merciful do not you scorn me sir to think i can intend to live under this infamy i do not come for pity to complain I've spent an honorable life with you, the earliest servant of your rising fame, and would attend it with my latest care. My life was yours, and so shall be my death. You must not live. Bending and sinking, I have dragged my steps, thus far to tell you that you cannot live, to warn you of those ignominious wrongs, whips, rods, and all the instruments of death, which I have felt and are prepared for you this was a duty that i had to pay 
"'Tis done, and now I beg to be discharged. "'What shall I do for thee?' "'My body tires, and woe not bear me off to liberty. "'I shall again be taken, made a slave. "'A sword, a dagger, yet would rescue me. "'I have not strength to go and find out death. "'You must direct him to me.' "'Here he is,' gives him a dagger." the only present i can make thee now and next the honourable means of life i would bestow the honest means of death i cannot stay to thank you if there is a being after this i shall be yours in the next world your faithful slave again this to try ah stabs himself had a living sense of all your royal favors but this last strikes to my heart i woe not say farewell for you must follow me dies in life and death the guardian of my honor follow thee i should have gone before thee then perhaps thy fate had been prevented all his care was to preserve me from the barbarous rage that wronged him only for being mine why why ye gods why am i so accursed that it must be a reason for your wrath a guilt a crime sufficient to the fate of any one but to belong to me my friend has found it and my wife will soon my wife the very fear's too much for life i can't support it where's emoenda oh going out she meets him running into his arms thou bosom softness down of all my cares i could recline my thoughts upon this breast to a forgetfulness of all my griefs and yet be happy but it will not be thou art disordered pale and out of breath if fate pursues thee find a shelter here what is it thou wouldst tell me tis in vain to call him villain call him governor is it not so there's not another sure villains the common name of mankind here but his most properly what what of him i fear to be resolved and must inquire he had thee in his power i blush to think it blush to think what that i was in his power he could not use it what can't such man do but did he durst he what he could he dared his own gods damn him then or ours have none no punishment for such unheard-of crimes this monster cunning in his flatteries when he had wearied all his useless arts leapt out fierce as a beast of prey to seize me i trembled feared i fear and tremble now what could preserve thee what deliver thee that worthy man you used to call your friend lanford came in and saved me from his rage he was a friend indeed to rescue thee and for his sake i'll think it possible a christian may yet be an honest man oh did you know what i have struggled through to save me yours sure you would promise me never to see me forced from you again to promise thee oh do i need to promise but there is no farther use of words death is security for all our fears shows abouan's body on the floor and yet i cannot trust him 
Abuan. Mangled and torn, resolved to give me time to fit myself for what I must expect, groaned out a warning to me, and expired. For what you must expect? Would that were all. What? To be butchered thus? Just as thou seest. By barbarous hands, to fall at last their prey? I have run the race with honour. Shall I now lag and be overtaken at the goal? No. I must look back to thee. You shall not need. I'm always present to your purpose. Say, which way would you dispose me? Have a care. Thou art on a precipice, and dost not see whither that question leads thee. Oh, too soon thou dost inquire what the assembled gods have not determined, and will latest doom. Yet this I know of fate, this is most certain. I cannot, as I would, dispose of thee, and, as I ought, I dare not. Oh, Imawinda! Alas, that sigh! Why do you tremble so? Nay, then tis bad indeed, if you can weep. My heart runs over. If my gushing eyes betray a weakness which they never knew, believe thou, only thou couldst cause these tears. The gods themselves conspire with faithless men to our destruction. Heaven and earth our foes. It is not always granted to the great to be most happy. If the angry powers repent their favors, let them take them back. The hopes of empire which they gave my youth by making me a prince, I here resign. Let them quench in me all those glorious fires which kindled at their beams, that lust of fame, that fever of ambition, restless still, and burning with the sacred thirst of sway which they inspired to qualify my fate, and to make me fit to govern under them. Let them extinguish. I submit myself to their high pleasure and devoted, bow yet lower, to continue still a slave, hopeless of liberty, and if I could live after it, would give up honor, too, to satisfy their vengeance, to avert this only curse, the curse of losing thee. If heaven could be appeased, these cruel men are not to be entreated, or believed. Oh, think on that, and be no more deceived. What can we do? Can I do anything? But we were born to suffer. Suffer, both, both die, and so prevent them. By thy death! Oh, let me hunt my travelled thoughts again, range the wide waste of desolate despair, start any hope. Alas, I lose myself, tis pathless, dark and barren all to me. Thou art my only guide, my light of life, and thou art leaving me. Send out thy beams upon the wing, let them fly all round, discover every way. Is there a dawn, a glimmering of comfort? The great God that rises on the world must shine on us. And see us set before him. Thou bespeakest, and goest before me. So I would, in love, in the dear unsuspected part of life, in death for love. Alas, what hopes for me? I was preserved but to acquit myself, to beg to die with you. And canst thou ask it? I never durst inquire into myself about thy fate, and thou resolvest it all. Alas, my lord, my fate's resolved in yours. Oh, keep thee there. 
Let not thy virtue shrink from my support, and I will gather strength, fast as I can, to tell thee. I must die. I know tis fit, and I can die with you. Oh, thou hast banished hence a thousand fears which thickened at my heart, and quite unmanned me. Your fears for me, I know. You feared my strength, and could not overcome your tenderness to pass this sentence on me. And indeed there you were kind, as I have always found you, as you have ever been. For though I am resigned, and ready to obey my doom, methinks it should not be pronounced by you. Oh, that was all the labor of my grief. My heart and tongue forsook me in the strife. I never could pronounce it. I have, for you, for both of us. Alas, for me, my death I would regard as the last scene of life, and act it through with joy to have it done. But then to part with thee? Tis hard to part, but parting thus, as the most happy must, parting in death, makes it the easier. You might have thrown me off, forsaken me and my misfortunes. That had been a death indeed, of terror to have trembled at forsaken thrown thee off but tis a pleasure more than life can give that with unconquered passion to the last you struggled still and fain would hold me to you ever ever and let those stars which are my enemies witness against me in the other world if i would leave this mansion of my bliss to be the brightest ruler of their skies oh what we could incorporate be one embracing her one body as we have been long one mind that blended so we might together mix and losing thus our beings to the world be only found to one another's joys is this the way to part which is the way the god of love is blind and cannot find it but quick make haste our enemies have eyes to find us out and show us the worst way of parting think on them why dost thou wake me Oh, no more of love, for if I listen to you, I shall quite forget my dangers and desire to live. I can't live yours. Takes up the dagger. There all the stings of death are shot into my heart. What shall I do? This dagger will instruct you. Gives it to him. Ha! This dagger, like fate, it points me to the horrid deed. Strike! Strike it home and bravely save us both. There is no other safety. It must be. But first a dying kiss. Kisses her. This last embrace. Embracing her. And now? I am ready. Oh, where shall I strike? Is there a smallest grain of that loved body that is not dearer to me than my eyes, my bosomed heart, and all the life-blood there? Bid me cut off these limbs, hew off these hands, dig out these eyes, though I would keep them last to gaze upon thee. But to murder thee? The joy, the charm of every ravaged sense, my wife. Forbid it, nature. Tis your wife, who on her knees conjures you. Oh, in time prevent those mischiefs that are falling on us. You may be hurried to a shameful death, and I too dragged to the vile governor. Then I may cry aloud. When you are gone, where shall I find a friend again to save me? It will be so. Thou unexampled virtue, thy resolution has recovered mine. And now, prepare thee. Thus, with open arms, I welcome you. 
and death he drops his dagger as he looks on her and throws himself on the ground i cannot bear it oh let me dash against this rock of fate dig up this earth tear tear her bowels out to make a grave deep as the centre down to swallow wide and bury us together it will not be oh then some pitying god if there be one a friend to innocence find yet a way to lay her beauties down gently in death and save me from her blood arise tis more than death to see you thus i'll ease your love and do the deed myself she takes up the dagger he rises in haste to take it from her oh hold i charge thee hold though i must own it would be nobler for us both from you oh for a whirlwind's wing to hurry us to yonder cliff which frowns upon the flood that in embraces locked we might plunge in and perish thus in one another's arms alas what shout is that i see them coming they shall not o'ertake us this last kiss now farewell 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 forever i'll turn my face away and do it so now are you ready now but do not grudge me the pleasure in my death of a last look pray look upon me now i'm satisfied so fate must be by this going to stab her he stops short she lays her hands on his in order to give the blow nay then i must assist you and since it is the common cause of both tis just that both should be employed in it thus thus tis finished and i bless my fate stabs herself that where i lived i die in these loved arms <sighs> dies she's gone now all's at an end with me soft lay her down oh we will part no more throws himself by her but let me pay the tribute of my grief a few sad tears to thy loved memory and then i follow shouts orinoco weeps over her but i stay too long a noise again the noise comes nearer hold before i go there something would be done it shall be so and then imowinda i'll come all to thee rises blanford and his party enter before the governor and his party swords drawn on both sides you strive in vain to save him he shall die not while we can defend him with our lives where is he here's the wretch whom you would have put up your swords and let civil broils engage you in the cursed cause of one who cannot live and now entreats to die this object will convince you tis his wife they gather about the body alas there was no other remedy who did the bloody deed the deed was mine bloody i know it is and i expect your law should tell me so thus self-condemned i do resign myself into your hands the hands of justice but i hold the sword for you and for myself He has killed the governor and stabbed himself. 
tis as it should be now. I have sent his ghost to be a witness of that happiness in the next world which he denied us here. Dies. I hope there is a place of happiness in the next world for such exalted virtue. Pagan or unbeliever, yet he lived to all he knew. And if he went astray, there's mercy still above to set him right. But Christians, guided by the heavenly ray, have no excuse if we mistake our way. Exeunt. Epilogue. You see, we try all shapes and shifts and arts to tempt your favours and regain your hearts. We weep and laugh, join mirth and grief together, like rain and sunshine mixed in April weather. Your different tastes divide our poet's cares, one foot the sock, the other the buskin wears. Thus, while he strives to please, he's forced to do it, like Volscius, hip-hop in a single boot. Critics he knows, for this may damn his books, but he makes feasts for friends, and not for cooks. Though errant knights of late no favour find, sure you will be to ladies errant kind. To follow fame, knights errant make profession, we damsels fly to save our reputation, so they their valour show, we our discretion. To lands of monsters and fierce beasts they go, we to those islands where rich husbands grow, though they're no monsters, we may make them so. If they're of English growth, they'll bear it with patience, but save us from a spouse of Orinoco's nations, then bless your stars you happy london wives who love at large each day yet keep your lives nor envy poor imoinda's doting blindness who thought her husband killed her out of kindness death with a husband ne'er had shown such charms had she once died within a lover's arms her error was from ignorance proceeding poor soul she wanted some of our town breeding forgive this indian's fondness of her spouse their law no christian liberty allows alas they make a conscience of their vows if virtue in a heathen be a fault then damn the heathen school where she was taught she might have learned to cook old jilt and sham had covent garden been in Suriname. finis end of orinoco by thomas southern 